Modern Pleasure Podcast is sponsored by Adam and Eve. Lean in to your sexual curiosities. Are you ready? Because it's about to get real. Modern Pleasure answers the questions about sex that you've always wanted to ask, but didn't. This is not fun sex. We don't have play in that. We don't have sensuality in that. We don't have desire in that. And what we're doing is we are catering and pandering to the narrative. We must have a certain amount of sex, certain style. I got to check a box for my higher desire partner. So here, obligation feels like burden. It develops resentment. We come to dread it. That you're just going to perpetuate something in your body that's going to just continue to be frustrated. You're going to be resentful at yourself for pushing yourself through something that doesn't work. Thanks for joining us on Modern Pleasure today. I'm Kim K. Hey, before we start, I want to remind you, yes, you, that if you visit adamandeve.com, just because you're listening to Modern Pleasure today, they're going to give you 50% off on almost any one item, and they have everything imaginable. Use promo code MODERN to get 50% off, plus free shipping, but it gets better. Adam and Eve is also sending you three bonus sexy items. What's not to love about that? And six movies for free. Yeah, you heard me, free. And uh, maybe you're in need of some fun, adventurous new toy or some lube or whatever your little sensual heart desires. Use code MODERN, get 50% off almost any one item. That's adamandeve.com, promo code MODERN, M-O-D-E-R-N. And save some money or, you know, grab some fun stuff, spice up things in the bedroom. Who doesn't like things a little spicy, right? Hey, today we're talking about obligatory sex. (laughs) Now, when I think about the word obligatory... Oh, oh, by the way, let me introduce you to my sexpert partner, Jenny, Dr. Jenny Schuyler. Jenny, that's what I'm going to call you now. I'm going to call you my sexpert partner. (laughs) Sounds good. That's fine. (laughs) I like that. Um, So as I was saying, this should be a really interesting topic. The word obligatory has so many, like a negative feeling about it, like even, you know, unnecessary or like unavoidable, you know, those kinds of words that I feel have kind of that negative vibe around it. So when you think of obligatory sex, I totally get, at least I think I know what that means because I feel like I've I've had obligatory sex more times than I'd like to admit. But can you kind of uh, dive into what this term means? And uh, let's see where this takes us because I'm very interested to find out more about this. Yeah. So Obligatory sex or sex that we have out of obligation, there's a lot of ways we can get there, but it really destroys a couple's sex life and it really destroys our ability to feel desired and to feel desirous because we're checking a box. It's a full transaction versus communicating, I want you. Right. If I'm like, ugh, just get this over with, get in, get out, check the box. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. Good vulnerability, good courage. No, it's true. I mean, this is why we're here, right? 
Yeah. And, and this is why I do what I do. Cause I can't tell you how many couples come to me and they don't have that language to say it, but I say, it sounds like you're having sex from a place of obligation and that's not fun. This is not fun sex. We don't have play in that. We don't have sensuality in that. We don't have desire in that. And what we're doing is we are to piggyback on last week's episode, Kim is we're catering and pandering to the narrative the big narrative, the big bad narrative of we must have a certain amount of sex, a certain amount of times, certain style. Our partner won't be satisfied. So now I'm going to speak more heterosexually because this is the more common type of couple that comes in. But definitely I have queer couples who have obligatory sex as well. But it, it, the lower desire partner typically comes in with I got to check a box a certain amount of times for my higher desire partner. Yeah, and I'll admit, I mean, I'm a I like I like sex on Saturday mornings. Why? Because I make sure that he's taken care of. I can get on with my weekend and I'm not as tired, right? And so it's always that sex, you know, he knows, okay, Saturday morning sex. And I'm like, okay, you've got like 15 minutes because I've got, I got to get to the farmer's market before 930. (laughs) It's true. And and I see, and I, and I hear what you're saying about that part of him feeling like he's not being desired like he wants to be. No, he's on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. He's on the clock and he knows it. Yep. And, and some partners, let's say it's the male partner for like years, um, s- stop being able to get an erection at some point because now they feel like, oh, my God, I'm really on the clock or I'm not even desired. So where's that like juice? And I'm not saying that's the case because actually, Kim, what I hear in the possibility of your Saturday morning contract, if you will, yeah. is the possibility of gift. And that nuance between obligatory sex and gift sex is essential. Okay, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, go ahead. So, so gift and obligatory are not the same thing. Yes, they're not the same thing, and the nuance is subtle, but so essential to understand and feel in your body. So here, obligation feels like burden. It develops resentment. Um, we just, we, we, we come to dread it Mm. versus a gift is I don't really feel my arousal very accessible and maybe it's over there in that state, right? (laughs) My desire, I'm not, I want to want, but I'm not really wanting, but even though I don't feel my arousal and desire, I know in my heart that if I give this gift to my partner, um, the connection that will ensue will be very rewarding for both of us. That could be one reason, one motivation. Maybe with enough contact, enough time, I actually get turned on and I'm glad I'm there. I always say that to my husband. Some point into foreplay, like 10, 20 minutes in, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm here. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's a good one. Because your brain boots up at some point. I trust my arousal to get me online when my brain is not in the game. Well, and then how do you reverse that, though? How do you get your brain in the game? 
I'm going to, I'm going to speak to that. Cause that's okay. a huge question. And it's like the million dollar question, but I want to differentiate the gift piece because the gift doesn't come from a place of resentment. The gift comes from a place of, I see the health and I see the joy and I see the connection in this, even if my arousal is missing. So you don't go into the connection. You don't go into sex leading with arousal. You're not like, Oh, I'm so horny. And I'm so excited. Yeah. You go going, yeah, you know, my arousal is not really here, but I love you. And I know this is good for us. And I know I'll get turned on to enjoy myself at some point in this experience. So I go in with the, this is a gift for you. And if I don't get turned on enough, you know what? It's still a gift for you. And I'm glad I gave you this gift. And it's a good piece of um, generosity and goodwill for the relationship. I, I, I feel really important. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in between obligatory and gift based on that. Because there are times when and I I don't think I'm alone in this. I think, you know, I've had conversations where uh, I've heard women specifically kind of describe both of those things as well. And maybe it's just a moment in time or where we are at, you know, mentally or, you know, I don't know, but I, there's there's that part of me, I hear that resentment part that is just like, <laughs> I wish that there was no penis within five yards of me right now because I cannot deal with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then there's the other part of me that really wants to be playful, which is pretty much what happens on Saturday morning. But at the same time, he's like, well, honey, you know, what about you? Oh, I'm good. I just want to please you. And so what's interesting is when that conversation happens, he doesn't feel like a man because he's not giving me an orgasm. And it affects him on a mental level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he feels like he's not giving you an orgasm. Yeah. But it's not as important to me. I don't know why. It's, so not, it's not his responsibility to give you an orgasm. That's the narrative. That's, yeah, okay. the, that's the narrative that doesn't work because now the burden is on him. And actually we have to own our own orgasms because he can give you all the pleasure in the world and be using maybe the best toy or have the best tongue skills. And you could be thinking about seven things on your to-do list and how you're going to achieve it. And if your brain's not connected to your clitoris, <laughs> you're not going to have that orgasm. No, for <laughs> so sure. No, he can't give you an orgasm. My point is he can give you pleasure. He can give you the gift of pleasure, but he's not going to give you the orgasm. That's yours to own. Yeah. And so that is a, is a huge piece because if he's taking that as his benchmark of success, that's a tricky one because you might not always have an orgasm or it's up to you if you're going to have a, the kind of orgasm you're going to have. Right. But, His but, benchmark might be how playful can we be together? And and side note, we did try to get my husband to join us on, on this episode and he declined. <laughs> but we're going to get him. We're going to get him yeah. on here. I promise we are. That should be really fun. It will be. Something to look forward to. Anyway. Okay. So... <laughs> so real for so many women that like maybe you're not in the obligation box all the time but you're not in the gift box either you're sort of in that journey between the two yeah and that's great at least you can acknowledge you're in that journey between the two and notice your system 
am I leaning towards gift or obligation? And that's a, that's why I say you got to check in with your body. Your body will tell you if you feel some resentment. It's like, yuck, I'm doing this from obligation. And that's when I say, don't do it. That You're just going to perpetuate something in your body that's going to just continue to be frustrated. You're going to be resentful at yourself for pushing yourself through something that doesn't work. Mm. But you can ask yourself, what could I be open to? Am I open to cuddling? Am I open to a shower? Am I open to a rain check tomorrow? What are you open to? And I think that that is also the disconnect, too, because what I might be open to might not be the same for him. He he might be wanting something completely different. And like you said, that narrative kind of dips its head in there and says, well, that's how it's supposed to be, right, for him. And And last, if you missed last week, you got to listen to it because that I had so many aha moments in that conversation about that big, bad narrative of, you know, quote unquote, good sex. It really uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I have to admit that I had a conversation with George, my husband. Um, I don't know what it, it was definitely about sex within this the last uh, few days. And I said, you know what? You're not going to push that narrative on me. And he just looked at me like, cocked his head like, what? So that was an amazing conversation. And I can see how that would work its way into probably almost every episode we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's just becoming aware of the narrative and, 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 and how we play into it even like you just even said he thinks he's giving you an orgasm mm-hmm. and you are having an orgasm in his presence and he's giving you pleasure but you get to control your own orgasm yeah i remember the first time i had a college is i was very young i had just started my private practice as a sex therapist i got this college boy he came in and he and his issue was i i'm out with all these girls hooking up and i can't give them an orgasm what do i do and i said well it's not your responsibility <laughs> I bet that took the pressure off. Yep. And I said, get curious. How do they have an orgasm? Some had never had an orgasm. Some had never had an orgasm with a partner. I said, you know, bring a toy to this. Power tools are your best friends, right? Like talk about my role with Adam and Eve. You know, I I, I love working for them because they sell great toys, which by the way, are 50% off. If you use, if you're listening to this podcast, use the word modern, but the toys are great because um, they're like accessories. They're, they're supplements to help bolster that orgasm. Bring them into the picture. Why not? And, you know, when you think about toys, too, and, and here's something that, I you know, it just dawned on me that I need to bring back into our relationship. We Any time that we went out uh, out of town or stayed at a, in a hotel for whatever reason, you know, whether we were on vacation or, you know, going to somebody's event or wedding, we would always pack a um, a deck of cards, and we would play strip poker. <laughs> we're both we're both poker players, and so we know how to play poker. And what's funny is there there's this little competitiveness that happens, and I and I have forgotten about that. And I think even just those fun little. Games And I know Adam and Eve has a lot of different like little role playing games and stuff. It doesn't have to be a vibrator. You know, it can be a lot of different things. But that that's a that's a really good point that sometimes um, maybe because I feel like I'm 
under some kind of an obligation to please my husband or to, you know, uh, if I'm going to stay in in tune with the narrative, have sex at least once or twice a week, you know, which is supposed to be normal, right? Um, Maybe it is about me uh, bringing some of that fun and playfulness back into the relationship for me. Yes, 100%. You nailed it, right? It's play. The opposite of obligation is play. We forget how to play as adults. Yeah. I mean, I've got an eight and a six-year-old, and sometimes I'm like, how am I, how do I, how do we play? And they teach me, they remind me how to play. Uh, but we we lose track of playing as adults. And, and the bedroom or wherever you have sex and whatever kind of sex you have is a great invitation into relearning how to play, which Kim, if you guys do strip poker with cards, I love it. Like talk about <laughs> playfulness like that. That's amazing. But I have to but I have to admit it's been years. It's been years since we've done that. I actually forgot we did it until you brought up the, you know, bring some bring a toy or bring something into it. I'm like, hey, you yeah. know, it doesn't have to be a quote unquote toy. It could be, you know, I know that there's games and mm-hmm. books and mm-hmm. all kinds of fun stuff, right? Yeah, totally. And and just to play with that. And and adults, what gets in our way is self-consciousness. That we yes. Look, you know, it's like, who cares? So we look silly. Be silly then. <laughs> it, and maybe it's not even looking silly. So, you know, with me and, uh, and, you know, at my age, the body doesn't look like it did, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, right? And it's not supposed to. Well, you're right. It's not supposed to, but I come from a very vain line of women. <laughs> and so there's there, I think for me, and I know, trust me, this is another conversation that I have with a lot of women, especially as they get into their fifties and a little bit older, they start their their sex drive starts to decrease naturally because of hormones or whatever, but they're feeling of, well, I don't like the way I look in the mirror. So why would he, you know, what there's, they're actually putting that on their spouse as well. Yeah. The spouse. Yeah. But let's come back to the narrative. You, you just said, I come from a long line of vain women. That's their narrative. What if you let go of that? What if you let go of that legacy burden of like, that's a burden of vanity and dysmorphia and pressure that does not give me any happiness. And in fact, your husband is probably over the moon excited to see you naked. Oh, like annoyingly so. (laughs) I mean, annoyingly so. Lean into that. See, rather than play the narrative of your ancestry and this long line of vain women, play into the narrative of the man right in front of you See it through his eyes. Clearly, he's authentically excited. What if you leaned into his narrative instead and saw your body in the mirror the way he sees your body? And and I and I and I want to be clear. It's I I come from a, a line of women who are extremely supportive, and I don't think that they believe that. I I can I can say that there's a lot of very sexual women in my family, my grandmother included. Um, you know, she's not with us anymore, but oh, I got stories about her. But what I have taken from it is, you know, my, like, for example, my mom 
is drop dead gorgeous. She's going to be 80. You would never know. There are times when they say, Oh, are you the older sister? You're gorgeous. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> right. But, but I'm proud of the fact that she's a beautiful woman. Yeah. And, and it, it, so I think for me, it's like keeping up with that image of beauty in whatever form that is. Um, not that I'm forced to. But for me, it's in my head that I need to look a certain way and to feel a certain way and to, you know, I mean, whatever happened to that facelift fund that I was saving for, I'm not quite sure. I think it went to the vet. But you know what I mean? It's like, what are, what am I going to do next? And so when I think about that in terms of how I feel about myself coming from a physical standpoint it yeah. does stop me from walking around naked in the house, which would just please my husband to no end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I hear that so many of us struggle with that at all ages because we live in a society that perpetuates youth and beauty to the max. I mean, 20 girls in their 20s are getting Botox, but nobody yeah. has wrinkles in their 20s. No. So, but, but, the pressure. yeah, and so that's that. There are times when I literally will go, oh, fine, you know, and I'll take off my top or whatever and walk around, but I'm uncomfortable. It's like yeah. that's where that obligation comes in. It's like, yeah. well, if I want my husband to be happy, or if he's throwing that narrative at me, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with you walking around naked in the house. And yeah. and I and I'm sure that a lot of people do it. And, he, you know, he'll sit there and name my friends as his wife. You know what I mean? So you get that feeling like, well, then I'm not normal if I'm not feeling comfortable doing this or. OK, so I'm just going to do it because then I'll feel like I'm in the, you know, percentile of people that walk around naked in their kitchens. or Kim rather than feel it as an obligation (laughs) um, could it be a gift could you walk around periodically you know on occasion if that's what he likes like it sounds like that would be a gift to him and then but you have to check in with yourself am I doing it from obligation or gift is this a playful thing I'm doing and maybe get really sexy silk robe that's kind of translucent and so like you still feel a little covered, but you feel the sensual texture and it's sort of a sensual, you know, piece of, of clothing that kind of mixes and matches what you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I've done that. I mean, yeah. I get it. I, I think that sometimes I feel and I know this isn't him, but sometimes I feel like I'm dealing with an adolescent teenager, you know. Oh, yeah. wow. Look at you. You're naked. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I do try to coach men, if the higher desire partner, so now I just spilled out the word men. Um, but if it's a heterosexual couple, typically the man is the higher desire partner. Not always. Yeah. And we could talk about that in another episode. But the higher desire partner, whoever you are, whatever your genitals, I always say, if you don't manage your arousal and you're just sort of like spilling it out everywhere then it's going to overwhelm the room and get to the, the lower desire person is not going to have any space to feel their own desire and arousal because yours is 
filling up all the space and they're being pushed out like a little claustrophobic, you know, bug in the corner. 100%. Yes. To wrap it back in, right? If he feels desire for you, he can feel it and then go take a shower, but don't overwhelm you. He has to be mysterious with his arousal and desire sometimes. Because if he's just vomiting it all over you, you what are you going to do with all of that? That's a burden on you now. And of course, you're going to feel the obligation. In yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and, and let's be clear. There is nothing mysterious about my husband. My husband is yeah. he is v- a very big personality. You know, I mean, he really is. He's great. Everybody loves my husband, you know, because he's such a fun, animated guy. And so sometimes, and I tell them all the time, honey, you don't have to say everything that comes into your head. You know, you don't have to do that because I don't need to know. I like subtlety, you know, give me the opportunity to kind of get things started. And then, of course, he says, well, then I'll be waiting for an eternity. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. But but yeah, I, I, I would imagine that that is a pretty typical thing with, what was the term? The, the energy of the higher desire partner monopolizes higher the Higher desire room. partner. So if he was to rein it in, for instance, rather than always invite you or get it started, he could flirt. He can come kiss your neck and go disappear to the other room. And you can be like, well, hmm, that was interesting. Well, where'd you go? Your desire is not like infiltrating in the room. And that all week without inviting you, you might get curious and go, well, that was fun and interesting and mysterious. That's completely a, a true story right there. I know that when and I don't know if this is just me, but I know that when I feel like somebody isn't interested in me or if he's kind of moving in a different direction or all of a sudden just doesn't necessarily need that that uh you know attention from me i'm like well what's going on and so you're right i do get curious so it's gonna hey you know come on what's going on here i want totally we're such complex creatures you know women (laughs) there is basic physiology too right we want what we can't have we like oh god yeah 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 for sure too. Yeah. So when you're talking obligatory, I almost hear like there is no desire. Is it no desire for your partner or is it just no desire in general? Either or both. So it's 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 de- context dependent. So think of a spectrum. I like spectrums. You know, you've got obligation sex at the very polar end of one, gift sex sort of in the middle, and at the other pol- polar end is I want, right? There's all the desire. Yeah. So obligation, and and that's where playfulness comes into. Obligation sex tends to squish out our desire in general, and then we just don't feel it universally, and we kind of walk around as a zombie without feeling our arousal and our sexual energetic life force, right? Yeah. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's just obligatory sex with that partner, But somebody else outside in the world has caught your eye and that person is shiny, mysterious and new. And so you feel your juice kick in there. And this is why affairs are so rampant, because if you have obligation sex at home and you feel your desire out in the world with someone else, you know, you're alive. You're like, oh, my sexual energy exists. Oh, my goodness. 
And that's exciting. And I want to like feel it and do something about it. Hence the affair. Right. Right. And, and there's a way to take that energy and that knowledge and put it back into your relationship. But you can, I, so obligation sex happens definitely in a relationship and sometimes just squishes it all out altogether, but sometimes it can exist out in the world. So what you're saying is, is you might have obligatory feelings of sexual desire or no sexual desire towards your partner or your mate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have no desire for sex. Correct. You can desire the person at the gym. Ask yourself, why am I having, what is causing the obligation? Am I subscribing to a narrative, right? The the narrative episode. Um, Am I not getting my emotional needs met? And I feel like I'm just checking this transactional box and not being fed back. Um, Do I have a tendency to like shiny and new and mysterious? And how do I get creative with inserting that energy creatively into my relationship. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Modern Pleasure. I'm Kim K with Dr. Jenny Schuyler, who is a certified sex therapist, very knowledgeable. I've learned so much in the last two conversations that we've had. It's been incredible. And uh, I know that uh, you've got a lot of experience in uh, treating couples and and people um, that need your help. Tell us a little bit more about how we can find you. Where are you? If somebody needs your services, um, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So my business is called the Intimacy Institute. I actually work with my husband. He's also a sex therapist uh, and we're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And unfortunately, we both have a wait list, but we do have some video courses for couples. We have some courses for men with premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction. So we have a lot of online info. If you are trying to wait for a spot with us, I also know a lot of sex therapists through the country, so I can set you up with somebody in your zone should you want to be. So So yeah, the Institute is where you can find me. So, and you have some... uh... YouTube channels too? So do. A lot of info as being the resident sexologist for Adam and Eve, I I have a little channel. I have the Dr. Jenny Schuyler YouTube channel where a lot of my videos, it's called Savvy Sex in 60 Seconds. So I offer 60 seconds of a sex education clip, whatever the topic is of the moment. So you have a lot of videos where you can get a lot of information. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I've actually watched a few of those and they're really, really great. It's amazing what you can get in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And, and you have been with Adam and Eve for a long time. So again, if you're listening and you would like to take advantage of 50% off any one item, go to adamandeve.com, use the code word modern and get free shipping plus some extra free stuff. And this is an exclusive offer for anyone who's listening to Modern Pleasure right now. 50% off. Go to adamandeve.com. Use that code word modern at checkout. They're a great resource with books and all kinds of really great items. And they have something for everyone. They have something for every level. Whatever you're uh, into or, you know, if you just want to experiment uh, make sure to get that 50% off on almost any one item at adamandeve.com. Lots of things to choose from. Plus, you get those three bonus sexy items and six movies, too. Can you give us an idea, Jenny, what kind of 
what kind of products do you think would work well with someone who we were talking earlier about that that getting into that role of play again, like I mentioned the deck of cards and stuff like that. Is there anything that comes to mind? My invitation is this, buy anything that you want. Buy a toy, buy a game, buy a piece of, piece of clothing, whatever it is that helps invite playfulness, right? That's Where you great. go, oh, what? I can see the invitation into to playing here. I can see how I might, it could be a light. It could be a playlist. You know, it could be, you know, however you play. It could be food. A lot of people play with food. Oh. Temperature. Get some ice cubes. You know, lots of ways to play. Okay. So, well, I know we've played around with, like, chocolate, whipped cream, and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, every time I think about sex and food, I don't know if you were ever a sex in the city, if you ever watched that show, right? But but there was the episode where Samantha covered herself in sushi. <laughs> <laughs> and waited for her partner to come back, but he got laid up at work and she's laying there for hours naked on the table with sushi covered all over. And I'm like, oh, that I was, was <laughs> that did not go well. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, food is a really interesting, you know, I have this cookbook and it's, and it's a, uh, and here, this is so typical. I've got this cookbook. It's a kind of a sexy cookbook and it talks about sensual dishes to cook together with your partner. Do you think we've cooked one? No. And I love to cook. I am a cook. I'm a home chef. We have play. That's great. Play, we, play the- we, yeah, we've never done it. We've never, I've never cooked one recipe out of this book or done anything about it. I think it just sat on a shelf forever and I totally forgot about it. But, but I do like to cook. So I'm thinking, you know, uh, it would be fun to, you know, maybe cook together. He always says, why don't you cook naked? Well, there's a reason why you don't want to cook naked. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, especially if you got stuff splattering up or, you know, you just, that is not a good idea. But maybe just an apron or something. We could do something yeah. like that. Maybe I'll introduce both of us cooking and we both have to be naked with an apron on and see how that works. That could totally. be fun, huh? Yeah, just a little bit of boob popping out the side of the apron, your butt's in the back. That sounds great. I'll yell at him, pretend I'm Gordon Ramsay, and just cuss at him and get him to move. (laughs) (laughs) How do you move your mindset from obligation to gift? And this is what I do with low-desire people in a therapeutic process, which is it has to be sex where you allow yourself to be selfish. Meaning, if I'm going to give this gift to you, what am I also getting out of it? Right. Um, so so the idea is, how do I selfishly bring myself into the act where it does it for me, too? Yeah. So let me use myself as an example. For instance, I love to dance. That's where I find my like spiritual energy. And so what I'll do for my husband sometimes, because I love to dance, <laughs> I'll light some candles and we have a salt lamp. I set up the ambiance because I'm an ambiance person. Yeah. And I'll put on a playlist that I like. And we don't like the same music, but he knows. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, it's her music. You know, he's happy. And then I just dance. I I, I just dance, whether it's the living room or the bedroom, I dance. And it's playful for me. This is my play. I'm playing with my set and setting. So my mindset and my ambiance. I'm playing with this. And in the dancing, there's a selfish part of like, I'm turning me on. I'm not turning myself on totally that I'm like frothing at the mouth to have sex. I'm turning <laughs> my energy on, right? Yeah. I'm turning yeah. my 
my my just my life force because that's where I find it via dancing. It's kind of and a role play, right? You're form of play. And yeah. then I kind of move, you know, that happens for 10 minutes. I like do my crazy dancing like ecstatically. And then I sort of move <laughs> into a more sensual dance. And then I kind of play, you know, dancing on his body and it kind of flows into that place. And it's a gift. And then, and then things flow. I'll sort of decide whatever activity I'm feeling a gift for. And sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm actually in the mindset of like, oh, I'm excited. And sometimes I'm still like, well, this is still a gift for you. But my mindset is in a playful place and I'm taking responsibility for my arousal as much as I can, right? I'm not just going to lay there like a dead fish and make him touch me and kiss me and, and do 100% of the responsibility for my arousal. I, I'm 50% responsible. That's a really good way to look at it, actually. Because I think if we just waited for them to do everything – we could be waiting a really long time for it to actually arouse us. <laughs> we take no personal responsibility in our arousal if we sit around and wait. Yeah. Right? Interesting. This is my form of personal responsibility for my side of the equation of our sex life. That is a really interesting take on that. Huh. I'm, I'm pondering. I don't know that I would be up for any kind of dancing, but... Uh, you can create poker. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I could I could cheat. You could put on a lot of layers and cheat. <laughs> I could definitely do that. I think there's a lot of ways that you can do this and and I love having these conversations with you Dr. Skyler because it really has uh kind of sparked some innovation in my brain and and I have to be honest I think one of the main reasons why that is happening is because, and it all started with our first conversation. Again, I'm going to tell you, you need to listen to that episode because it was really, really eye-opening. But it really helped me to give myself permission to to feel the way that I feel, number one, regardless how anybody else feels about it. This is how I feel. And also, it, it it helped, I think, knowing that and understanding that I don't have to be a part of that narrative really opened myself up to feeling like, you know, this is going to be okay. I can do this. You know, it's so funny. We had this conversation. I think it was just recently, might have even been last night because I've been so busy. I don't know what day it is. But it was about, it was yesterday morning. We were cuddling. And he, you know, really wanted me to kind of play around and fondle him. And I was half asleep. I was so tired. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this right now, you know. But these are the types of conversations that I start feeling resentful for. It's like, you're, I feel like you're guilting me into doing something I am not prepared to do right at that moment. And that happens a lot. And, but I wonder you know, how many women are feeling that sense of guilt for not pleasing their partner in the way or if the amount of times they should be or if at all? What happens when you start feeling that way? I know we talked about to the relationship, but what happens to your own personal psyche on a, on a personal level when you start feeling like, I'm not 
ever going to feel like I want to have sex with my husband again. I'm not feeling uh, good about myself because I'm constantly in a state of guilt and I'm not having sex in this relationship like a normal couple would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think both partners need to hear the answer because both parties are responsible. So the higher desire partner needs to be, there's two things. One, give space to the sex life, right? Again, if you, if it's all this arousal and desire in the room and there's, and and that's always monopolizing the room, there's no space for the other person to reach back out, to even respond. They're just smothered with it. The other thing the higher desire partner needs to understand is seduction. You can't seduce your low desire partner in a way you want to be seduced. You need to seduce your low desire partner in a way they want to be seduced. So if he is seducing you with his erection and poking you and you don't find that sexy, well, sure, that's not how you want to be seduced. If he got up and made you some breakfast and coffee and came back and gave you a massage and told you how gorgeous you are, you might be like, well, that works for me. I mean, I don't know what works for you, Kim, but. No, that would work for me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right. This, this, you want to seduce in a way that works for you, especially if your arousal and desire is more elusive and harder to access as the lower desire partner. So seduce in a way that works to your unique narrative. Or like you said early, you know, earlier, maybe not, you know, try so hard to seduce at all. Right. Give it the space. Yeah. 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 That's... The other piece, you know, for, for the low desire partner is you got to liberate yourself, right? You liberated, Kim, what I'm hearing is, oh my gosh, I woke up to all the narratives I play into and I just liberated myself from the imprisonment of these narratives, right? Like, I'm so yeah. happy to hear that for you. Yeah, it's then true. The next, step, the next step in your liberation is that selfishness. And I don't mean in a negative way, but like selfishly, how do I turn myself on? Selfishly, how do I want to be seduced? Selfishly, like if you were to let yourself bask in that, then what you're not doing is always hyper vigilantly thinking of him and his arousal and how to check that box. Mm. You're giving space Mm -hmm. to you. And how do you check your own box? And what does that look like? It's such a fascinating discovery. And I I just I wish that I really hope that people are uh, listening to this in terms of like it worked for me, giving yourself that permission to um, explore your own personal pleasures and satisfaction. And what does that look like? Um, and, 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 you know, you said something yesterday when we had a caller on uh, Quinlan and it was about your pleasure is your birthright. And, and there was, she had a real big block in terms of her sexual desire it was it's pretty it was pretty substantial and it was kind of hard to to dig into her you know what is it that would help you know arouse you but i but what you were saying and and how freeing it was i think for her and for me is that it, it is it is whatever you want it to be you know you don't have to feel guilty for what you think it should be that you're not providing yourself or for your partner. It is what it is. It, whatever it is for you is okay in that moment. 
And that is really, really freeing, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, guilt is a useless emotion. It does not do anybody any good in any situation, you know. Um, so I, I really do appreciate these conversations. And uh, again, thank you for your time. And I can't wait to dive in to the next one, which, by the way, I really kind of would like to tease this next episode, because I think if anybody's listening right now, I really think this is going to be a fascinating conversation. And it's uh, about the Madonna syndrome versus the whore syndrome. And when you first brought this up as a, as a possible topic, I had no idea what you were referring to, because I I had never heard these. Well, of course, I know what whore means, but I had no idea what you were talking about in terms of Madonna. And I'm like, Madonna the singer? I mean, wait, okay, no. so you're either Madonna the singer or a whore? Wait a second, what is this all about? You know, oh, wait, like a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm I, really going to be very interested to hear more about this and was wondering if you could just give us a little little tease into what we might be discovering next week when we when we talk about this. Yeah, sure. So the Madonna whore complex is a psychological phenomenon and you have to think it, it's a juxtaposition, right? And I hate the language of this, to be honest, because I don't like the word whore, um, but it's sort of what the it's the only language we have for it right now in terms of the psychological pop cultural vocabulary. Right, right. The Madonna whore complex is that is this juxtaposition in the brain of either my partner or me is the Madonna religiously, right? The 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 pure Madonna that is revered and respected. Or it's very binary, or she's the whore. Huh. Or I'm or I'm the whore. Right. And so what happens for people especially if they grow up, you know, certainly in a religious environment that that utilizes this, you know, the Madonna or, or like Catholic. I'm raising yeah, my hand. Catholic, yeah. I'm Catholic under the bus. Um, but Catholic is I, I find that a lot of my clients who are, have a Catholic upbringing, even if they say they're a recovering Catholic, you know, they it's still ingrained in them. Yeah, and I also yeah. like that I really think that religion has a beautiful space in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So not judging or or demeaning any religious system when I say this. I'm right. just saying when you grow up with a religious system that instills this rigid messaging, well, what can happen in our psyche is that our brain goes to, oh, at some point in the commitment process, and it happens at various points. Sometimes it's when we move in. Sometimes it's when we're engaged. Sometimes it's when we get married. And sometimes it's when we have kids. The iron curtain comes down and no longer is my partner other whore new and interesting. She is now the Madonna. Wow. I revere her and I respect her and my ability to get turned on by her goes completely out the window. That is fascinating. I never ever thought that that was something that happened. So- and then it happens to women. They internalize that. I am now the Madonna. I should not be a sexual being. Interesting. Now married, or now I have kids. Well, I can't wait to dive into that one. If you're listening, we want to remind you again that um, 
Just because you're a listener of Modern Pleasure, you get 50% off at adamandeve.com. And we're showing them a lot of love today. And I have a feeling that we're going to be showing them a lot of love in future episodes when we get down into talking about uh, kinky sex, which is coming up in in an episode with our uh, resident reviewer, Savannah. So that's going to be a fun one coming up. We've got a lot of really fun conversations coming up. So I hope you join us again. But go to adamandeve.com and you can get 50% off when you select almost any one item and they have a ton of stuff. And of course, it gets better than that because you get free shipping. And they're also going to send you three bonus sexy items. I'm very curious to know what those three bonus sexy items are. And six movies, all for free. Yes, free. Modern. That is the code word you want to use for 50% off almost any one item. So go ahead, get on there. AdamandEve.com, promo code MODERN. Save some money. Add some fun to spice things up in your bedroom. Thank you, Dr. Jenny Schuyler. Really, really appreciate your time. I love having these conversations with you. And uh, look forward to uh, the next episode. That should be very interesting. I'm going to go do my homework on this. I think I'm going to learn a little bit more about it and have a ton of questions for you. Anything you want to wrap up in terms of our uh, conversation on obligatory sex? Is there anything that maybe we didn't touch on or, or that we left out or a last uh, bit of advice for our listeners? I think the biggest advice is is giving yourself, I mean, most of my advice is permission, right? Yeah. Week it's permission to just write the narrative that works best for you. This week, the permission is to lean into the playfulness and allow for some selfishness in your sex life, right? What do you want and need? What kind of seduction do you like? How do you like to play? And if you bring that into the invitation and into the gift, even if your desire and arousal is in Europe, <laughs> it might return to your body as you start to play. That's great advice. I'm going to practice some role playing and, and getting a little bit more playful in my relationship. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll check in with you next time on that, how it went. <laughs> I might bring out the deck of cards. I might just bring out that deck of cards. We're actually going away in a couple of weeks, so I'm definitely going to pack those in my suitcase, see what happens. Yes. (laughs) I'm excited for you. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Modern Pleasure, and we will hear from you next time. Thanks, Dr. Jenny. My pleasure.